back to our Christmas series. We're, we're calling it this year, All Be Home for Christmas. Now, some of you are going like, come on, man, that's, that's a little cruel because for a lot of us, we are going to be home for Christmas and nowhere else. We're not traveling. Or we have loved ones that we wish we could have traveling, but they can't. And so what's with this title? So yes, there's a bit of a, a humorous attempt to tap into the idea that a lot of us are going to have a very different Christmas. Uh, we're not, probably not going to have the Christmas we envisioned last Christmas. And so we know that a lot of you are navigating quarantine, loved ones that are vulnerable, quarantine, less travel, all those kinds of things, less group sizes maybe in your homes. But we're just going to roll with it and we're going to uh, take it on. But I also want to share a little bit more about uh, the title, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Because it's very easy for us to be like, come on, like, that's the last thing I feel like. I'm kind of hurting this Christmas. It's been a tough year. It's, it's a tough season. There's a lot of loss or limitation in my life. Um, honestly, it's hard to even get in the Christmas spirit, if you will. Well, I want to come back to this title, I'll Be Home for Christmas. It's a, it's a classic Christmas song. Many of us know that. And there's been movies that have been made with that title. But do you know the origins of the title and the song? And some of you do. But the song was written in 1943. And uh, it was during World War II. And the reason the song was written was to honor the soldiers that were in World War II that couldn't come home for Christmas. And so really it was a chance to kind of tap into the longing that many soldiers in the field had that they were not going to be able to actually be home for Christmas or their greatest desire and longing was to be home for Christmas. In fact, look at this lyric from that song, Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas if only in my what? Dreams. What does that mean? It means I'm probably not coming home for Christmas, but if I can't physically make it, I'm there in my mind. I'm there in my heart. I'm I'm there in my dreams. And so the reality is that many of those soldiers wouldn't be home for Christmas outside of those dreamy visions of home that they had in their mind's eye. And so it's this longing for home. I mean, think about uh, the power of that song to tap in to this concept of home that we have. Like if the writers say like, hey, we got this great Christmas song we want to write. It's called I'll Be at Work for Christmas. Um, I don't think it would have got the same traction, right? Or like, hey, I'm going to be at the hospital for Christmas. It's like, mm, I don't think that's going to go over well. I'll be home. And so it taps into this power of longing. And the reality is all of us are probably going to have a Christmas that's different. And it's very easy to be disappointed. Be like, oh, the, the, the Christmas of my dreams looks like this. But what's really at the heart of Christmas? I mean, the significance of Christmas is not really about who's in our home. It's not really about what our holiday meal is going to look like. It's not about how our home decorations are going to be. It's not about how many presents are under the tree or if our Christmas feels holly jolly, right? That's not what Christmas is really about. At the root of Christmas is longing. It's God meeting our longing through the birth of His Son. It's our soul's greatest longing to find our home in the Lord. And the only way you're going to find yourself at home in the Lord is if the Lord is at home in you. And the only way that happens is when you welcome in God's Savior who comes and dwells within you. In fact, God speaks in His Word about Jesus Christ making His home or His dwelling in your heart by faith. You can find that in Ephesians 3.17. speaks about Jesus making his home or dwelling with you by faith. And so really, a more biblical view of being home for Christmas means it's Christmas if Christ is in your home, the home of your heart. And so we just need to continue to really reclaim the original understanding as we navigate challenging dynamics. 
And I think it's kind of encouraging to remember Christmas is not about what's happening around us. Christmas is not about what's happening around us because good thing, some of us are like, what's been happening around me is not good. Christmas is not about what's happening around us. Christmas is about what happened. It's about the birth of God's Savior for humanity. And when God became man to rescue us from darkness and to tangibly give us an expression of his light, his life, and his love. And I, I don't know, I think when um, we think about Christmas, it's very easy to get imagery that actually may be a disconnect from the reality of Christmas. And so I want you to realize how much darkness there actually was during the first Christmas, during the birth of Jesus. Because typically, that's not what uh, fills our songs, our movies, our Christmas cards, our social media photos. Uh, we typically think of Christmas and we portray a quiet, peace, uh, tranquil scene where, you know, with the nativity, the cows and the sheep um, don't make noise and don't stink, Right? And there's a baby that's not crying, um, possibly. Uh, we think of lightly falling snow on an open field, maybe because you live in Northeast Ohio, but in the Middle East where Jesus was born, good luck with that, okay? And then on top of that, we think about a little adorable wood barn that looks cutely fixed up by Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know? Where in reality, it was probably a cave or maybe an extra room in the house that was designed for animals with just dirt and hay, and so really, a lot of the imagery that we kind of associate as home isn't actually disconnected from the real understanding of Christmas. And it's, it's something we need to embrace, that there was actually a lot of darkness in the original Christmas. If you study the historical, political, cultural, spiritual climate of the first century Roman-occupied Palestine, it was dark, especially for someone of Jewish descent. And so God, born to and among the Jewish people, is God coming among people who are extremely familiar with hardship and exile and slavery and oppression and injustice? Christ was born into a Roman-occupied and oppressed Israel, a time where Jews were hated, heavily taxed, imprisoned, exploited, and executed. It just was a brutal time to be alive. Like the average lifespan was 35 to 40 years old due to sickness, lack of modern medicine, wars, a high uh, infant mortality rate of about 30%, you know? And so it just was a lot of darkness even there, the original Christmas. So a Jew in the first century Roman Empire would have found words like hope unrealistic and maybe even offensive. Yet Jesus, God's son, our Messiah, was born into a politically, morally, economically, economically, spiritually dark time. But when he came, he brought light. And that light pushes away the darkness. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So let's pray and we'll dive in. Father, thank you for this time that we get to open your word. Thank you for this time that we get to remember uh, what Christmas is really about. And Father, we know that doesn't minimize or take away the real and uh, hard, difficult challenges many of us are facing. It doesn't take away some of the sadness or fear. But God, uh, we don't want to lose all that we have, all the hope, all the peace, all the good news that exists even um, this Christmas. Because we want to remember it's about the birth of our Savior who brings life and light and love and hope and peace and joy. It's got to help orient our minds that way in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen. Well, as we spend this time focusing on God's light, and the light that he had dawned on humanity, 
through the birth of Christ, I want to just take us to one verse primarily. And so I invite you to open up your Bibles or turn to your Bible apps to John 12, verse 46. John 12, 46. And as you're turning there, uh, this is one of the last moments that Jesus, uh, in the Gospel of John, is actually talking to a large crowd. And as he's talking to a large crowd, he's shouting, he's teaching, he's, you know, he's raising his voice and to, to get out to this large crowd. And here's one of the things that Jesus says as he's teaching. And John 12, 46 says this, I've come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I want us to read that together now. Ready? Let's read it together. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I hope all of you at home were reading that. All right? Now I want you to read it again with me, but I want you to fill in the blanks. All right, here we go. I have come into the world as, so that whoever believes in may not remain in darkness. Now I'm just going to put all my cards on the table. Um, I'm challenging you to memorize this verse this week. All right? I want you to put this in your mind. Put this in your heart. Lock this down. So one of the challenges I'm going to have you is to, to memorize this. Now, um, we need to understand a little bit more. And let's just take this verse and kind of ring it out a little bit. What was Jesus talking about? What, what light was he talking about? Okay, now you have to remember the original audience would have thought about oil lamps and torches. They didn't have electricity, right? And so uh, any little oil lamp in a house gave off an incredible light in the darkness. And so they were very familiar with this very physical metaphor that was giving a spiritual reality. And so what was Jesus talking about when he said light? What do we understand that to mean? Well, let's, let's kind of just walk this through. When Jesus says that he came to the world as light, he is saying he is the light and he's the only light. There is no other light. Notice here, Jesus did not say I came as a light. He did not say I came as one of the lights. He didn't say I'm going to come to show you the light. What did it say there? It says, I have come into the world as light. All the light we need is wrapped up in Him. And so all the hope, all the justice, all the healing, all the joy, all the comfort, all the peace, all the love, the life, the light that we need are found in one name and one name alone, Jesus. That's what He was conveying. And He says that He's going to bring this light. Well, what light is He talking about? Is He talking about a flashlight? No. The word light here means to bring an illumination of truth. It's a spiritual knowledge and understanding. That's what he's referencing here. It's a spiritual knowledge and understanding. His light will guide. His light will reveal. His light will shine. It'll open up our spiritual eyes. It'll open up our spiritual ears. It'll open up our hearts and our minds and our wills to that which he reveals. He comes as light to illuminate, to reveal. You know, I threw this question out there yesterday, like, hey, when you read this verse, how have you seen this true in your life? We've got several people that were reacting with that, and I really like a couple articulations that came back from some of our church family. Nellie, uh, a woman in our life group, said it this way. She said, for me to think back to when I did not know Jesus, the biggest thing was I did not have the ability to see my sin. That was darkness to me. I didn't know I was in the dark until I experienced the light of His Spirit within me. And one of our staff people echoed that. We were talking about this concept of light and darkness and, and what Jesus meant here. And she said, the thing about darkness for me is I had no idea I was in the dark. <laughs> like when you're in it, you don't realize it, right? 
And then another CVCer named James said, I was given discernment to see and better understand the evil in this fallen world. Prior to becoming a Christian, I had no understanding of this reality. And so when Jesus says that he's come as light, he's saying he's come to turn on the lights for us to see and understand God. To see and understand who we are, who he is, what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's false. That's what he means when he says he's come as light. He said, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And then we have contrast now. What does he mean by darkness? I think there's several realities to understanding the word darkness. Now, we remember that the Bible was not written originally in English. And so right here, this would have been in Greek. And so the Greek word here for darkness is skotia. And what that means is an ignorance regarding divine concepts, both to the simple things of God, to the deep things of God. It's ignorance due to the need for light, a want for light. And so when we think of darkness, think of spiritual blindness. Think of spiritual confusion. Think of spiritual gullibility. Which is gullible spiritually. Like, oh, that, that belief sounds good. Oh, that, I kind of like that. Instead of understanding what life is saying. We, and here's the other thing. When it comes to light, we cannot produce the light. We are dependent on God bringing the light. So just as you can't take a light bulb in your house and just set it on the table and it just lights itself up, you need a power source to actually activate the light bulb. This understanding of who God is and who we are and how these things connect, God has to bring the light of understanding and illuminate it in our minds and hearts. We don't just wake up one day and go, oh, I got it, I get it. That God has to bring that to us. And so this is what it means to be rescued out of darkness. That's why Jesus, as light, came to us, from outside of us, and his light dawned upon us because we can't self-generate this kind of light. And this ignorance, by the way, this spiritual ignorance results in a life of ungodliness, immorality, disconnect from God. But God told us a light would be coming. In fact, 700 years, 700 years before Jesus was even born, God continued to just give all these like big lit arrows in history, in his word, to the coming of his Savior. One of the ways he said that was this in Isaiah 9-2 through an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. He's saying it's dark. There's darkness right now, but I'm going to bring light. It was 700 years later that the birth of Christ took place. But what a message of hope. What a message of hope that God was going to bring light to the darkness. Now here's the reality. Sadly, we know that millions of people are still stuck in this ignorance. Millions of people all over this globe do not know the one true God. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know what's true and what's false. They can't discern that. They're still in darkness. You have loved ones that way. In fact, you might be there right now. And I would just encourage you that if if that's you, like you could go to church all your life and still be in darkness. You can read the Bible and still be in darkness. You can read all sorts of holy books and still be in darkness. You can even teach the Bible and still be in darkness because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never believed in him, put your full trust in him to follow him and commit your life to him. And so that's available for anyone who wants to do that even today. And so we see darkness as really a spiritual ignorance, but there's another way to understand darkness. Darkness could also be a willful rejection of the light. It's that when God brings his light, there's this reaction to the light going, no, 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 I don't want the light. I don't want to see the light. 
And so then we in our stubbornness and our sin and our pride run away from the light. It's the proverbial flip on the light switch and the cockroaches go to the dark corners. It sounds gross, but sometimes we're the cockroaches. And God brings the light. And we're like, no, 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 no. I like the darkness better because the darkness feels good for now. The darkness kind of aligns with what I think and want. Well, it doesn't really matter what you think and want. What does God think? What does God want? And so sometimes the light of God comes on. Darkness means we see the light, but we go the other direction. And so we have to understand that there's this scary reality that from birth, we have this natural darkness in us, within us. It's a sinful, prideful, rebellious disposition that lurks within our own hearts. That's why Jesus came. God saw us trapped in that darkness, unable to get out of the darkness, fumbling around in the darkness, trying to figure things out. And so the birth of Christ, God wrapped in flesh, is like God's spiritual sunrise on humanity. And the moment that the sun, S-U-N, shone the highest and the brightest, is the moment that the sun, S-O-N, was nailed to the cross. Because it was there in that moment that God wrapped in flesh, right, died on that cross for our sin, for our darkness, because we had no ability to take care of it ourselves. And those who believe in Christ and believe in a sacrifice, that light comes and it floods us with this divine brilliance of who God is. And Jesus then invites us out of the darkness to follow him. This isn't the only time Jesus said these kinds of things. One, one of the other times was in John eight twelve. it's recorded. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, we're going to talk about the life part next week. It's going to be neat to hear that. For right now, we're focusing on the light. And so when Jesus uh, comes, and when we encounter Jesus, his light exposes all that darkness within us so that he can draw us out of that. Uh, Yesterday, my wife, she dropped one of her gloves behind the dryer that I needed to get out. So I'm like, okay. So, so, so I got a, flat, you know, got a light and a stick, and I'm looking for where the glove's at. And Do you know what I saw behind my dryer? You know why you're laughing? Because it looks the same behind your dryer, right? And it looked the same behind my washer. And I'm sure if I looked under my couch and behind my fridge and under my fridge and under my bed and that little dark hall in the corner, right? The other day I moved a little, a little stool we had. We've got a couple dogs. Now I know where all their fur goes right? There's like a little gravitational magnet for the hair that pulls all to that one corner. I was like, well, we got a third dog. What happened? You know, like all that stuff happened. Couldn't see it until the light shone upon it. See, here's what's so interesting about the light of Christ. When the light of Christ shines, it's so welcoming and warm and brilliant and we want it and it scares us because it reveals what's behind our dryer. It reveals what's underneath and what's inside. And we're like, ooh. And so we have a choice that moment. Do we, do we run away and try to find the dark shadow to hide? And we're going to spend a lifetime doing that? And an eternity paying for it? Or do we turn to the light? Embrace the scary but awesome light that God brings. See, the birth of Christ is light. Come. And it shines our need for him and then pulls us in. And so belief will give us light. Disbelief will give us darkness. And I know like for many of you, that's exactly my experience. Like I remember as a teenage young man, I was not raised going to church. I didn't go to church. I didn't know the Lord. And I was just trying to figure things out. I tell you what, my life did feel like it was just this room that was dark. 
And I, I think every day it got more and more dark and more and more dim. And I look at what was going on in my heart. I look at what was going on in my family. I look at the difficulties through my life. And it's like, man, I started being filled with, with, with anxiety and fear. I felt alone. I felt misunderstood. I was hurting. It just kept getting darker. And then one day a friend invited me to church. And when I started going to that church, that man up front opened up the Bible, the Word of God, and just started speaking about God and His love and the Savior. And guess what happened? I saw this light come on. And it drew me. And it drew me to Christ. And once I came to Christ, it was like, it was like, it was like Jesus turned on a big breaker switch whoosh, and just flooded my life. And I saw the scary and icky stuff that he needed to take care of, but I saw the amazingness of God. And when I gave my life to Christ, he just took all those things I was feeling, all that darkness, and he just redeemed it and gave it light. And so I, started, I was filled with hope, and I was filled with joy and purpose and spiritual friendship. That's what happens when the light comes to our life. And I know he's done that for many of you too. I hope if you don't know Christ, you come to him today. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That can mean spiritual ignorance. That can mean willful rebellion. But I think there's another way we understand darkness. And that's circumstantial darkness or situational darkness. We would call that dark times. There are always dark times, but some seasons feel darker than others and I, and I think we've all been in a darker season this year. This is where some of us might honestly be feeling the tension of trying to celebrate Christ's birth. Like, how can I confidently be celebrating the light of Christ when I just feel like there's a lot of darkness around me? Well, remember, Christmas isn't about what's happening around you. It's about what happened. <laughs> and the light came, right? And so we're not going to pretend that things aren't dark. We're not going to try to cover up our pain or our frustration, or our sadness with wrapping paper and make it look pretty and a bow on it. We're not going to say it's all good when it's not all good. We've got to stare the darkness in the face and know it's there. We still live in a world that has darkness and pain. And it has darkness and pain out there, and there's still darkness in here. The sin's been defeated by Christ on the cross, but it's not been eradicated yet. One day when Jesus returns, sin will be forever removed from existence. But for now, we still live in a broken world that's reeling from the effects of sin. And so we still experience suffering and disease and decay and death. We still experience the darkness that comes with relational conflict and addiction and abandonment and depression and anxiety and fear and loss. And we look over this last year and we see so much darkness. We see that this, you know, the COVID-19 Protests, riots, racial unrest, injustice, violence, divisions, isolation, political tensions. Like, we need to see light, right? And God's already given it. He gave it to us. It's right there. And so here's where we need to start working on our theology when it comes to situational, circumstantial darkness. Here's two realities we need to remember when just things feel dark. The first is this. Light shines in the darkness. Light doesn't shine in the light. Light shines in the darkness. And so God in his wisdom has provided contrast. Like, like how do you know it's light unless you know it's dark? How, how do you know what it means to be free unless you've been in bondage? And so God allows us contrast. He says, I want you to taste um, 
how, how nasty darkness is so that you can savor and enjoy how good the light is. And so this is where we have to understand that, that there's a purpose for darkness and it's being pushed back. But there's another reality about darkness we don't want to forget and that's that darkness cannot overcome the light. In fact, the light overcomes the darkness. In John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, speaking of Jesus, the apostle John says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Again, more on life next week. But it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not what? Overcome it. So there is darkness. But in Christ, darkness has lost. Darkness has been given a boundary that it cannot cross. So the most tragic of, of conditions is when you're in darkness and you can't get out. And there's no way out. And there's no light. But once light comes in, it invades the darkness. It shines in the darkness and it pushes it back. And that's what we see. Now notice here, Jesus doesn't say, he who believes in me will never experience darkness. Right? John 12, 46, he doesn't say that. I have come as light, and whoever believes in me will never experience darkness. He didn't say that. He said, will not what? Remain in darkness. You won't be stuck there. And then he doubles down with this understanding that darkness will not overcome the light. And so once the light of Christ comes into your life, it's in you, it's on you, and it comes from you. And you have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. And no matter how hard life gets, no matter how dark situations seem, Christ's light will shine in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Can't overpower it. Even the, even the cross, even looking at the crucifixion of Jesus is a huge understanding of light and dark. Like what's, other than sin, right, the, the sinfulness that's rooted in humanity, other than sin, what's the darkest shadow cast over humanity? Death. It's death. We're afraid to die. Our loved ones die. We're afraid they're going to die. Death is this huge shadow. When Jesus came as light, born, raised, lived, went to the cross, was put in a tomb because he died. He experienced the biggest shadow of darkness this world has to offer. He experienced death, and then on the third day, rose from the grave, conquering death, conquering sin. We can't ever forget that the one that was born was born to die. And he conquered the ultimate darkness that we're all most afraid of. And now darkness just throws a fit because it no longer holds us. And so we who are in Christ see it clearly when Jesus rose from the grave and conquered death. And I want you to understand this very clear. When you put all that together, this is what we start to understand. No amount of darkness and no type of darkness can ever overcome Christ. Lock that in for a second. Think about that. No amount of darkness... No type of darkness ever can overpower Christ. And what a promise of hope that we have. That's why light is central to our understanding of Christmas. Light is central to our understanding of the hope that we have in Christ. See, the birth of Jesus is this central event in human history that's a dividing line between an age of darkness and an age of light. And we get to live. Like you were born and you were raised and you're living out your days in the era of light as we have Christ. We can't lose that. 
in the midst of the hardship that encroaches in our lives. Pastor and author Tim Keller, in a book, wrote this. The book's called Hidden Christmas. He said it this way. I like this. He says, The Bible never counsels indifference to the forces of darkness, only resistance. But it supports no illusions that we can defeat them ourselves. Christianity does not agree with the optimistic thinkers who say we can fix things if we try hard enough. Nor does it agree with the pessimists who see only a dystopian future. The message of Christianity is instead, things really are this bad and we can't heal or save ourselves. Things really are this dark. Nevertheless, there is hope. The Christmas message is that on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Notice that it doesn't say from the world a light has sprung, but upon the world a light has dawned. It has come from outside. There's light outside of this world, and Jesus has brought that light to save us. Indeed, he is the light. Now, what a good word. And it ties a lot of what we're saying together. So no matter how dark things seem to get for you, no matter uh, what situations you find yourself in, Christ has given you light, and that light cannot be overcome by darkness. Jesus said, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. What an incredible message that we need to be reminded of definitely in 2020. So what do you do with this? What are some ways you can live this out? Well, I want to give you a couple application steps. Uh, I think first is just filling in the blank with this question. I will walk in the light of Christ by fill in the blank. Like when you think about your life of walking in the light, no longer walking in darkness, no, no longer remaining in darkness, what are some ways you can continue to walk in the light? I want to offer you three. The first one is this, believing in Christ as Savior. For some of you, especially some of you online watching right now, kind of checking out church, checking out Jesus, checking out the Bible, your next step is to believe in Christ. And so maybe it's time to recognize that your sin separates you from God. It's time to recognize you cannot fix that problem on your own. It's time to recognize that you're in darkness and there's a, a level of understanding you don't have. And it's time to do what the Bible says is repent, which is you turn away from the darkness to the light. You turn from self to Jesus and you trust him. And so it's time to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he rose from the grave for you. It's time for you to truly be home for Christmas. And it's as simple as honestly, genuinely just telling God, I admit I'm a sinner, I'm believing in Jesus, and I commit my life to follow him. I admit I'm a sinner, I'm believing in Jesus, I'm committing my life to following him. That might be the first step for those of you who don't know Christ. For those of you who know Christ, it's just walking in Christ. Like, why do we want to walk in the dark when we have the light? Like, I don't know too many people, like, hey, it's really dark outside, I'm going to take a drive, I'm just going to drive and turn my lights off. You're going to smack something, right? No, we're like, lights, high beams, let's go, you know? But some of us who know Christ, like, we get back in the cars of our lives, like, oh, I'm just going to turn the lights off. What? We're going to walk in Christ. And walking in Christ means daily looking at Jesus and daily reminding ourselves who we are in Him as a beloved child of God and reminding ourselves what we have in Christ. We have relationship with God. We have forgiveness. We have eternity. We have freedom from spiritual ignorance. We have power over sin. We have comfort in the midst of pain. We have peace in the midst of chaos. Also, I just encourage you, like one of the best ways to be walking in the Lord is to be interacting with His Word. 
Like, you don't just read a verse and like, did that, check the box, move on. Interact with it. Here's a couple ways you can interact with it. Like, look at John 12, 46 that we've been looking at. Memorize it. Get it locked in there and write it down. Have it pop up as an alert on your phone. And just, just let that verse interact with you. Also, pray through uh, the Bible. So if we're to pray through John 12, 46, like tomorrow you wake up, John 12, 46 pops up. Here's what that could look like. You could just say, I've come into the world as light. You just say, God, thank you that you came. Thank you that you came to me. I didn't come to you. You came to me. And thank you that came as light because I needed light. I was in the darkness. And you came as light so that whoever believes in me, God, thank you that you've given me the ability and the capacity to believe in you. Thank you that you loved me first before I ever loved you. That they may not remain in darkness. God, thank you so much that you just yanked me out of that dark pit. Thank you for opening my eyes. And then all of a sudden, oh, but my sister, but my mom, but my dad, but this friend, but this neighbor, they're still in darkness. God, you start to pray for them. You take a verse of the Bible and you start praying it. Those of you who are struggling, like, I don't know how to pray. Take a verse of the Bible, pray it back to God. Next thing you know, you're praying for 10, 15 minutes. That interact with God's word. That's one of the ways that we're walking in the Lord. Also actively, creatively engage. Like with John 12, 46, some of you are poets, right? Write a poem. Get out a journal. Write down how you've seen this verse become true in your life. Musicians, write a song off this verse. Artists, make something. You know, clay, write, painting, drawing. Like make something that, that, that goes. Those of you who like to decorate, man, grab that dry erase board or the chalkboard or the letter board and put this verse on there and do something fun. Uh, take this verse, post it on your social media if you're super relational and tech savvy and get it out there and invite dialogue and conversation. Like, hey, how have you seen this verse be true in your life? And have conversations. That's how we, some of the ways we can walk in Christ. And so one aspect is you can be believing in Christ. One is walking in Christ. The other is inviting others to share the light of Christ. And we all know people who are still in darkness. We have to pray for them by name. We have to love them well. And I encourage you, initiate spiritual conversation. There are, um, I would say some people here in December of 2020 are more open to spiritual conversations than maybe ever before. Leverage it. You know what the devil would like you to do? Hide. Keep your mouth shut. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about good. And there's a lot of people whose world has been flipped upside down. One of the best ways you can respond is to start having spiritual conversations. Man, it's been a dark year. Yes, it has. I'm sure glad that God's given us light. What are you talking about? Well, you know, I just heard this weekend Jesus said something really interesting. He said, off you go. <laughs> and share your story of how Christ came into your life. And God will guide you. His Spirit will guide you. Just follow along. Leverage Christmas. So maybe for some of you it's believing in Christ, it's walking in Christ, it's sharing in Christ. Also, we want to provide an opportunity for us to interact if you need help. And so just a couple ways that we can open up a dialogue. Uh, use our CVC response number, that 440-276-5575 number. For some of you, this, this talk has really sparked a need to have a deeper conversation. You've got some deeper questions. Just text the word CONNECT to that number. We'll connect with you and see how we can help. If you have already taken a step to follow Christ today or you need to, text the word JESUS to just either share with us that you gave your life to Christ today and we'll help you grow and take your next steps, or we'll help you take that next step if you want to place your faith in Christ today. So text the word Jesus. Also, just kind of semi-related, this has been a hard year for a lot of people. Some of you are super vulnerable and have big needs. 
Or maybe someone else you know in this church or you know, close to you is super vulnerable and has big needs. We invite you to text the word request to that number. And what that is, it's a request for help. Okay, I, there might be a need that I need help with. And then we'll get in touch with you and find out what needs you might have and how we might be able to meet those needs. So a couple different ways we can interact. Also, I think it's very valuable that you interact with one another after this time. You don't just kind of like close your Bibles up and off you go. Um, so I want to give you a discussion question that you can talk to the people you're with today in the room as you're leaving, driving, having lunch, or if you're home. Like when this service concludes, just hang out where you're at. You know, just keep sipping the coffee, you know, uh, compliment each other's jammies or whatever you're doing right now. And um, ask this question and just hear each other's answers and talk about it. So here's the question for today. How has the light of Christ's coming pushed away darkness in your life? And just see what answers come into your life. Well, this Christmas, we are at home in Christ. And we're welcoming in the light that God brought us through the birth of His Son. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for today. Thanks for the reminder that you're there even when we don't feel you. Your light is shining in the darkness even when we don't always see it. Thank you for the reminder that the darkness cannot overcome your light, but your light pushes away the darkness. God, I pray for those right now that do not know you as Savior. They're stuck in darkness. I pray that they would surrender today and give their lives to you. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who have different degrees of struggles today. Some with physical health, mental health, emotional health. Some have lost a loved one. Some are just so tired and fatigued of the setbacks and losses and limitations. But help us to not let that darkness convince us that the light is not shining. Help us to see all those circumstances through the light of Christ. And we pray for those who still need you, that you would draw them to yourself. God, find us faithful to love you, worship you, celebrate you, and the light you bring, even when we're experiencing darkness. We ask in Jesus' name. And we all sit together.